I'm a follower of Jesus. It's the most important thing in my life. The most healing, healthy thing for the human brain is a belief in God and prayer. If the hypothalamus picks up a love-based signal, which is virtually anything you can name that would be positive, forgiveness, uh, a positive identity of myself, a positive self-worth based on God loves me and I'm living in this uh, state of grace where there's no condemnation and it wasn't me that did it and everything is going to work out for my good somehow. Um, you know, um, so if that's the signal the hypothalamus is picking up internally from my memories, including those passed down, but I hope you're seeing now that this is kind of rare because almost all of us have all this junk. I'm, I, my best guess is people who just naturally live predominantly here, you're probably talking one person in a thousand today. But I'm going to, I believe, I'm going to teach you how to do it on demand. And I believe that's in Scripture too, but that we've maybe not completely understood how those Scriptures all went together and, and are in harmony with our biology, um, our chemistry, our thoughts, feelings, our mind, conscious, unconscious, subconscious, how all that goes together. Okay, so when your hypothalamus flips this switch and you have the release of oxytocin, endorphins, peptides, uh, you know, that, those feelings that um, when you're in love that, man, I don't need sleep. I, I can go for a day. I, I'm just, wow, I'm just walking on a cloud, all right? And of course, that's on a continuum from maximum to more than more than 50% probably, okay? Um, but when it flips that switch, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that you're trying to do this, although I do recommend that once you've, once you've gotten into this state of grace and are believing the truth about yourself, I, I do recommend that your intention is to live this way, but that's not the point. When your hypothalamus picks up that internal love-rooted signal, it flips this switch and this stuff happens effortlessly, automatically. In fact, you can't stop it with your willpower. So enhances relationships, because that's where my focus is now, because my focus is on love more than anything else. There is no love outside of relationship. Fear is the absence of love. All right. Uh, increased parental bonding, uh, love, joy, peace, every positive emotion and feeling known to man increases immune function to the point that maybe you even can't get sick, reduces stress, lowers blood pressure, counteracts addiction and withdrawal. I've worked with people before who had been um, majorly addicted to hardcore drugs for years. 
and I worked with them on this stuff, and some of them got off of those chemicals and had zero withdrawal, which is supposed to be impossible. But if you're living here, my contention is you're living more in the supernatural than you are the natural. So those miracle things, they can happen. They do happen, okay? Because that's what love is. Love makes no sense to um, evolution and survival of the fittest. Um, stimulates human growth hormone. You know what that one is? You want to get older, uh, younger instead of older? That's what that one does. Increases trust and wise judgment, modulates appetite, metabolism. This one, you tend to, to gravitate toward your ideal weight without dieting or all that kind of stuff. It promotes healing, stimulates relaxation, and stimulates non-stress energy. These two together are phenomenal. What that means is when you need a lot of energy, you got it. When it's time to sit down and relax or go to sleep or take a nap, you can do it no problem. Your mind's not racing. Your body's not hyped up. Okay? So it's the best of both. Stimulates higher neurological activity. Instead of sucking away your IQ, you're smarter, more creative, better problem solving. Think of things you would have never thought of in the failure response and opens those cells to healing, regeneration, and um, maybe even to where you can't get sick. Um, so, dumb question. Which of these two do you want for your life, for the rest of your life? Which of these two do you want for your children? your parents, your friends, everyone that you love and care about? Well, it's a stupid question, right? No one would choose this. No one. But isn't it ironic that nine out of ten people, this is where they're living. And they don't even know it. It's like the frog in the kettle thing, you know? You put the frog in the in the kettle of water when it's cool and gradually turn up the heat and the frog thinks it's normal and, until it boils to death. Never jumps out. Could have jumped out. Didn't. Thought it was normal. Alright? The 9 out of 10 people that are living here in my experience they think it's normal. Now they're not happy and they're wanting to change it but most people they know are living here at least to a great extent as well. Well, what I want to tell you is that this is a choice. It's not just you're either one way or another and that's the way I am. Now, it may not really have been a choice to you so far because you didn't understand how all this stuff works. But I hope when we're done, you will. And you will not only know it's a choice, but you'll be able to start making the choice to live here and teach your children and everybody you care about how to do that as well. And, and I believe that everything we need for that is here. We just haven't understood it. And by the way, 
churches, at least the ones I grew up in and have been around, they are one of the worst at being here and, and, and teach things that take people here and make it very hard for them to get out. And that was true of me in my life. Okay, why am I here? Hope and I got married in um, 1986. We've been married 33 years and change. Be 34 years in um, May of 2020. When we were getting ready for marriage, we prepared better than anyone that we knew. We did premarital counseling that you had to pay for voluntarily. We would sit for hours almost every night talking about everything, our hopes and dreams, our struggles, how we saw the rest of our life, etc. We took personality tests and had experts point out to us where trouble spots might be and strengths might be. Uh, we would read books together, the same book. We'd have two copies. She would read hers on her own. I would read mine on my own. We would both make notes. And then when we got together for a day, we would compare notes and our perspective of that material that was almost always about relationships. So when we got married, we thought, man, we've done it right. We prepared. We are not going to have the problems everyone else has. About a year and a half later, on a Sunday night, it was thunderstorming. Hope said, Alex, I need to talk to you. Now, she'd said that hundreds of times, but I immediately knew this one is different. And it was. So I said, okay, what, what, what do you want to talk about? She, she couldn't look me in the eye. She kept looking down. She was real fidgety. She was having a really hard time saying it. Um, her chin started to quiver and she started to tear up. And she said, Alex, I need you to leave the house. I cannot stand to live with you another day. Pretty sharp language. Um... The only thing I could think of to say was, okay. So I went and packed my little bag and went to my parents' house who lived in the same town. Now, I knew things were bad. I wasn't happy either, okay? And they'd been bad for a long time. Well, we'd only been married a year and a half, but most of that time they'd been bad and had gotten worse. I had never thought about divorcing or separating, and that's exactly what Hope was thinking. She wanted a divorce, um, was disgusted by me, okay? So I go to my parents' backyard, and I stay up all night in the backyard, okay? Cursing, praying, everything in between, was looking for some lightning bolt, some miracle, some quick and easy solution to this, which did not come. But uh, as we were getting toward dawn, something did happen. I heard a voice in my head. 
Now I knew it was in my mind, in my head. It was not an audible voice. And here's what the voice said. Alex, not only do you not love hope, you don't even know what love is. And excuse my language, but it pissed me off. It made me immediately angry. I mean, my job then was working with teenagers and their parents, and a, and a whole lot of that was teaching them principles about love versus selfishness, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I was the love guy to a fairly significant number of people at that time. I don't you're saying I don't know what love is. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm the love guy, okay? So it made me mad. Um, over about the next six weeks, while we were separated, even though that had made me mad, I could not get it out of my mind. I, I would go on long jogs, which I did every day then, uh, six to 12 miles every day, and that's what I would think about and wrestle with. I couldn't sleep at night for thinking about it. I, you know, So eventually, um, I can't get away from it. So I went to the library, started researching, uh, um, went to people wiser than myself, started reading books, reading research, etc., thinking, okay, whatever happens, I got to get this voice out of my head because it's driving me crazy. And somewhere around five weeks, five and a half weeks, something like that, I came to the conclusion that the voice had been right. That not only had I not really loved hope, but that I had really not even understood and practiced and believed what love is. At least real love. And it was... paradigm busting for me because what I came to believe that real love is and I'll give you a few of the bullet points is that love is all in all in jump in the deep end without a life preserver all in nothing held back no plan B, no safety net, no matter what the other person does, no matter what the circumstances, forever, no matter what. And that love does not keep any record of wrongs, when Hope and I went to counseling, I had four pages front and back of why our marriage problems were her fault. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is patient. Love is kind. Even if I was kind to Hope, which I usually was, I was very often internally irritated or frustrated. 
because she either wasn't wanting to have sex enough or we weren't having enough fun or she was mad at me about something or or whatever. So I did not feel patient and kind, even though I probably, to most people watching, might have acted that way a good bit. Okay? Listen to this one. Love suffers all things. Love suffers all pain. Pain? I didn't get in this for pain. I got in this for companionship and to have children and to go to movies together and trips together and uh, share the duties together and sex. And, and I got in this for fun and enjoyment. Pain and suffering? Love never fails. I was failing at everything in my life. College friends were telling me I look 10 years older than my age and asking, Alex, are you okay? I had every symptom of cancer. have no idea if I had it or not, but I had every symptom. Felt bad all the time. Migraine headaches, acid reflux, no energy. Um, uh, I was about to go bankrupt. I was about to be fired from my job. Hope wanted a divorce. I mean, any area, every area of my life. And I wasn't laying on the couch eating Twinkies. I was trying to live a successful, happy life. I really was. And everything was going in the ditch. All right? Well, two things happened at about six or six and a half weeks. Oh, and, and by the way, let me, let me go just a little further. Um, so now I have this new definition and understanding and belief of what love really is. And I realize that what I had been calling love is a business deal. It's what we started calling in the 70s in America, what's in it for me? You know, I'll do this if you'll do that. I won't do this if you won't do that. Okay? Now, whether it's ever written on paper or not, and ours wasn't, it was just kind of implicitly understood by both of us, doesn't matter. It's still a business deal. That's the deal I had in my mind and heart going into marriage, and Hope had one too. And so when I didn't do the things that I was supposed to do, in her mind, she became angry, irritated, frustrated, even if she didn't express it outwardly until it built up and then exploded. And I did the same thing, all right? If she didn't do what I thought she was supposed to do, or I wanted her to do, or needed her to do in order for me to satisfy this need or desire, then I would experience anger, something. And by the way, that's how you can tell if you have a wrong goal, is you experience something in the anger family. Uh, Google that. There's all kinds of emotions and feelings in the anger family. If you experience that, you've got a wrong goal, a goal that never should have been a goal. All right? And in this case, that was for Tracy to behave in a certain way 
and do things for me and not do other things that I didn't like. And, and for her, it was the same for me. Well, that's not love. That's a business deal. Love doesn't keep score. Okay? All right. You've done four good things, but I've done five, so you need to do another one. Or, or you've done seven wrong things, but I've only done three, so I'm doing better than... You, you need to, you know, buck up and do better. No. Love doesn't do that. Love gives without needing the return. Okay? Love suffers all and any pain which includes the other person doing or not doing what I want them to do. Now, I'm not saying you always stay together, okay? You may, it may be best for you to separate, but you better still love them separated or it's going to eat you alive inside, okay? Unforgiveness, biggest problem on the planet. Put you into that failure place, uh, as fast as anything. Okay, so I realized that what I'd been calling love was a business deal. And that real love, again, all in, nothing held back, no plan B, no safety net, forever, no matter what, no matter what she does or does not do. And you got to understand, at this time, she absolutely wanted a divorce. She told me that. She was telling her friends she was happier than she'd ever been because she was away from me, okay? Um, so I might be, when, when the voice came back at five and a half weeks or so and said, okay, Alex, here's what it said. Are you willing to really love hope now? I didn't answer that quickly. I, it was like, okay, wait a minute. Be careful here. This is like a vow. Bad things are going to happen if you say yes and then don't do it. So I took some time. And, and also, yeah, it was a big deal that if I say yes to this, she's raising somebody else's children and having sex with somebody else. And, and, and I've committed to love her my whole life. Now that didn't mean I would never get re that didn't mean I never get married or move on with a relationship with someone else. That's you know maybe the right thing, but I've got to keep loving her. Maybe not as a wife, but as a person, and want her best, equal to or even above my own. Okay, so it took some time, and. Um, it was another night at about six weeks, six and a half weeks, and I went back to my parents' backyard. Still don't know, still, still I'm not sure if I believe that it was a God or not, but I got on my knees, spoke to God, to the universe, to, you know, and I said, I will never be able to do it right. But as best I can, I will really love hope no matter what for the rest of my life. 
And you got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't just say it. I, I meant it to the marrow of my bone, to the bottom of my heart. I meant it. I was dead serious about this. Okay? As soon as those words were out of my mouth, something changed in me. It's like a weight lifted. I felt a freedom, a joy, a peace that I had not felt, and I don't remember how long. I felt good for the first time in about as long as I could remember. And all of a sudden, yeah, the last thing I wanted was for Hope to divorce me, but I also felt, even if she does, no matter what happens, somehow I'm, I'm going to be okay, which I had not at all felt before, okay? That's the first thing that happened at about that time. The second thing is Hope agreed to go on a date with me. Now, she had all kinds of rules. Um, you will not come in the house. You will not touch me. We'll go to a public place for one hour only. You are not to ask me about getting back together or any questions about our relationship. And then at the end of the day, you're not to ask me to get together again. And there may have been some others, but she had at least those seven rules, which I was fine with. I really think to her, this was going to be closure. You know, she could tell her parents and her friends and herself, okay, I saw him one more time. You know, I gave him a chance, I, you know, uh, so she could feel better about moving on. So I drive up, knock on the door, and she opened it, and she did a double take. At least that's what I call it. And it's very unusual. And here, here I'll try to illustrate it. Here's kind of what she did. She opened the door, looked in my eyes, looked away, and then she looked back really intensely. She would tell me later, she wouldn't tell me at the time because she was afraid it wasn't real, but she would tell me later, the first time I looked in your eyes, I knew you were not the same man. And she was right, I wasn't. And I, and I, have ne and I never have been since. Now, I make more mistakes than anybody I know. But my life has just gone up and up and up. In every area, my health, my career, my relationships, my, where until I got down on my knees that night, everything was going into the ditch, no matter how hard I tried with my willpower. Now, my story, I understand, is pretty extreme. For most people, it's on a continuum and you have some things in the failure list and some things in the success list. The problem is, if you have anything going on continually in the failure list, you're malfunctioning. If, if you do, you cannot be living your best life. And that's where I want to get you to, okay? So, so, uh, she goes out with me again and again, and I, it, it, it was no time. I think in about three weeks, we had a recommitment ceremony, um, and, and all I can tell you is, and, and you can tell it's not because of my looks, 
she could not resist me. The last thing she wanted to do was stay with me. She'd already made her plans. She was half out the door, okay, and thrilled about it, okay? But real love, ladies and gentlemen, is so rare and so powerful it is almost impossible to resist. And she couldn't. And so we had a recommitment ceremony. And um, it was interesting to our friends at that time. We were actually kind of, uh, you might say, disgusting. That's one, one of the phrases one of them used one time. Because... No matter where we are, even out in public, we couldn't keep our hands off each other. We couldn't keep from kissing and kissing and kissing and rubbing on each other. And, and, and you know, and I understand how they felt, but that's what was happening inside of us. We couldn't help it. Real love was transforming us, changing us, taking us up to toward at least our best possible lives and together in love. Now, Hope was still depressed at that time, so we still had that to deal with. But the other things got better and better and, and have ever since, which will be 34 years in a, in a couple of months. <clears throat> okay. Okay. And, and, and by the way, um, by the way, this picture of me was taken last week. <laughs> Just kidding. That was obviously a long time ago. I need an updated picture. But anyway, what really both of us experienced was going from living here internally to living here internally. And then our circumstances started to change in line with this where our circumstances had been in line with this prior. And, and that's what I've experienced. 